0: Well, hello, lovely humans, and welcome to Engage, a wedding planning podcast for the modern day couple. I'm your host, Jamie Wolfer, and I truly believe that wedding planning does not need to be complicated or time consuming. I kind of picture these episodes like jumping on a quick phone call with your wedding planner. You get your answers and you go on your merry way, because sometimes not all of us have an hour to dedicate to listening to super long podcasts or super long intros. So without further ado, let's just jump right on into it today's episode, we're going to be diving into some insights from one of my wedding pro friends that's going to give you some info that you absolutely need to know. Take a listen. We're going to talk about design, which is just one of my favorite things. I was actually in interior design before I did wedding planning. So for me, like, oh, it's the perfect convergence of my favorite things. Well, I was not in design,
1: Um, so don't ask me for help on this one, you guys, but I am here to pick Jamie's Brain today for you on your behalf as the audience, and I'm very excited about it because I would love to design my house to be as beautiful as Jamie's, at least her Instagram angles of her house particularly.
0: Yes. I'm great at the angles, right? Great at them.
1: I mean, it's a new house, so you're still working on all the areas. We, We know. We see the updates that you're... You know, tightening up all your little displays. You have those chairs. You've just been panel. here for like a year. <laughs> I've just fine. It's fine. It takes time, you guys. It and does. Moving in is a process. It does. But um yeah, let's just like let's all learn from Jamie today about you know being a student of design with Jamie, since she calls herself a student of design. Can you tell us about that?
0: Okay, to be fair. I labeled myself a lazy student of design. So it wasn't like I'm like, oh, I take notes and I do, I, you know, stay up late at night and staring at things. No, not necessarily. I just, I get really excited by new wedding design. I think as a wedding planner, like we see a lot of the same stuff over and over Mm -hmm. again. And so we also understand that our clients are going to be inspired by things that, you know, we may consider to be a couple years out of date. Or we may not personally gel with, but I think it's still important to pull off that design successfully and encourage them throughout the process because it's not my wedding, but how can I help them do that successfully? So yeah, I'm not like a, yeah. I don't take notes on it, but I love design and I love seeing new things that come up and I love trying to maybe come up with ways that old designs can be refreshed too. Cause a lot of people still want something from like a couple of years ago that of course I see. And I'm like, Oh, that's from 2018. I remember that year, you know?
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we're in a weird time now after 2020 yeah. stuff's going to repeat for a bit because folks are having weddings that were supposed to have happened.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's. It. I think we're probably going to be still seeing like a lot of the arches. We're going to see a lot of disco balls for a while. We're going to see a lot of pompous grass, a lot of the terracotta tones, a lot of the salmon pinks, maybe a, a touch of blush, but mostly what we're seeing is that really warm neutral collective colors. That pair really well with like eucalyptus, sage uh, lamb's ear. it's all going to kind of blend really nicely, but it's going to be I think we're still going to see a lot more of that muted, slightly more vibrant, but muted tone um, and I don't think dried florals are going anywhere anytime soon because a lot of these people have you know they've these couples have planned these events with that vision in mind, and most of them do not have the emotional capacity or desire to redesign it because it's a year later so it those are going to be around for a while, which is completely understandable,
1: yeah. Or the financial means. Oh yeah. Like, redo it. Like, oh yeah. That, that's important. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. like, uh, that's always something we're keeping in mind. And it totally makes sense if someone's been working on their wedding and buying pieces, you know, to be part of the centerpieces or little, mm-hmm. little um, decorative touches around the room. Like you're not going to toss it all out and start over uh, because your wedding was delayed and nor should you. So I think that's something we can definitely expect. Now, I think You build your design off of the venue. That's where you start with your planning and with the design. So Jamie, what suggestions do you have for folks with picking a venue or I guess as a planner spotting problems with the venue that might make the design the couple wants
0: hard to achieve? Yeah, I think when it comes to, that's one of the questions I ask in like the intake meeting. So if you've ever heard our sales call episode, then you know, like I ask what their priorities are, what's the general vibe? Do they have a theme? Because this is an important factor to me and I want to make sure that it comes across really successfully. So once I kind of get that idea, generally speaking of where they hone their focus and what they're interested in, it does help me to kind of be like, hey, here are three great venues that fit that vibe. Right away. Or if they've already selected their venue, which happens quite often, what I immediately look for is how blank is this canvas or how much does it already speak? Like how much is it like, wow, there's already a lot of design in here. There's already a lot of artwork on the walls. There's a lot of textured walls. So it tells me how much or how little we will need to work to cover all of that. And bear in mind, like this, the majority of this is for like twenty dollars to $30,000 clients. So I'm not thinking we're doing a full rehaul. I'm just thinking through like what is working in our favor and what's working against us.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I had my wedding at a place in Old Town, San Diego, which is very much nodding to the mission style or Mexican heritage. Uh, my husband and I had giant Mexican tapestries in the background. Did not incorporate that into the colors of our wedding. <laughs> they were just there uh, because they just existed. They just existed yeah. because I, yeah, I didn't really think that went through. But it's kind of funny looking back at the photos now. I do enjoy it, but at first I was I was very upset that I hadn't thought that through. But see, that's the problem with having a wedding at seven thousand dollar price point. It, you're going to have weird things happen like that if you're not meticulous and DIYing every detail. Yes, or pipe and draping everything as yeah, the other option.
0: Yeah, because I got married at a community center. Mm-hmm. Um, we just chose to keep it all outside, and they had just renovated it within the last like five years or so. So it was beautiful, uh, but we did have a couple practical things that we had to figure out. There was like a parking lot behind where we wanted to get married, so I had to build the giant backdrop to try to cover that up as much as possible in photos. You know, those sorts of things. We were getting married under a tree where the leaves were falling, so it was 100 percent a fall vibe. I could not get away from that. Yeah. Not necessarily. But yeah, you're right. You look at those spaces and you're like, especially community centers, you walk in and you're like, yikes, 90% of them ain't great. I get that. So yeah, trying to figure out how much, am I doing damage control? Am I celebrating these spaces or are we just going to let them, you know, we, we can do a little bit here, a little bit there, and then everything can just kind of breathe and cohesively work together.
1: Yeah. Or you're just embracing whatever's there behind you and just not caring, which is what I do. Or you just hang hang with the Mexican tapestries. It's great. You're just like, that's cool. You know, my new color is vibrant Mexican tapestry blue. It was, it was actually quite, it worked. It, I think it worked. I don't know. (laughs) You've never looked at my wedding photos and I think you might cringe a little, but I, we had fun. We had fun guys.
0: If you thought for one second that I was going to start a brand new podcast and not bring over Generation Tux to join me, you are sorely mistaken. But you guys, there's a reason that I keep talking about them. There's a reason that I'm so obsessed with them. And one of them is all of the free offerings to you as the wedding couple. Number one, free swatches. If you want to do color comparison or compare it to any dresses or linens or florals, they will send you free swatches. Number two, a free home try-on for the wedding couple with free round-trip shipping. All of that's free. (laughs) Number three. With five paid rentals, the groom gets his suit rental for free. Number four, with seven paid rentals, the groom gets his rental for free and then gets to keep the suit. You guys, if I've not convinced you to check out Generation Tux at this point, I don't I don't know who will. Head on over to wolferandco.com forward slash suits to claim your free prize today. Generation Tux cannot be stopped, y'all. Yet again, they are offering you $20 off of your suit rental using code WOLFERFALL. Now, the offer is good only for the groom or the wedding couple only and cannot be combined with any other offers. But from September 23rd through December 23rd of 2023, use code WolferFall to get $20 off your suit rental.
1: I mean, I guess there's also the danger there when you're a wedding planner and you see your couple picking a venue like that, of like the DIY overwhelm that can happen that you can foresee as you're watching them develop their design. What tips? Do you have there or any thoughts on how to wrangle in a couple who's like, we're going to DIY everything. We're going to copy what Jamie didn't rent a U-Haul and build oh gosh. 50
0: backdrop. Don't do that. Um, well, first it's, it's a matter of, if we're talking from a design perspective, I think you need to let spaces breathe. Mm-hmm. I think there needs to be relief for the eye. I think there needs to be sections where they're celebrated, they're well decorated, that they-, they draw your eye in. But then your eye needs to have a moment of respite. You need to give your eye moments of pause. That's a reason why when you walk into a building with really chaotic wallpaper, I, I think the perfect example is I stayed at the, um, was it gosh, Madonna? The- is it no? Madonna? I did not stay there. But like I have heard, but it's that same level of chaos. I think yeah. it was the um, House of Blues Hotel in Chicago. Oh, okay. Oh. Holy- my goodness, it had patterned carpet, it had patterned walls, it almost made me nauseous, there's just so much going on. So I think first of all, teaching them that relief is important and it's needed, so you don't need to DIY all the things. And for the most part, most people won't notice the areas of relief. So if you can hyper-focus your attention onto those areas, those poignant moments, those standout moments, then I think it can be really effective. So it does, one, it helps people to kind of hone in like, okay, so I don't need to do all the things like like I personally did. People probably wouldn't have noticed if some of those things were gone. I would have, and I still made it a priority. Mm-hmm. Um, and then second of that is you know the emotional toll that it takes to create those things the money that it takes to create those things just because you're diying it doesn't mean it's less expensive you might be buying tons and tons and tons of products and craft equipment and supplies and so do you have the time do you have the energy do you have the space to store those things let's think through the practical applications of doing this DIy stuff because having a cluttered house having a cluttered space having cricket stuff blow up all over your home, like that creates a stressful environment. So mm-hmm. thinking through some of the practicalities outside of that, one, design has to breathe. Two, so does your, your home. Like you can't, you can't do all those things. And three, so does your budget. So instead, I would prefer to just make sure that the things we do decorate are well done. That makes sense. And then
1: as far as the space, like how you said, letting it breathe, would that also come into play with like the layout of the space? Because sometimes couples are just so eager to have like the photo booth and they want a backdrop over here and they want the whole cake, uh, dessert bar. And so they're like packing way too much in and the layout yeah. gets cramped. What suggestions do you have for laying out the
0: space to be comfortable? My, I defer to, uh, what's logical. Like you can pack as many things in there as you want to, but I also defer to ADA requirements or, you know, those sorts of things where a walkway should be two feet wide. So anything that's less than that is going to cause the person who's walking through that walkway to feel like this isn't normal. This is different. This is smaller. I have to turn sideways. I'm just like squishing my way through here and hoping not to bump someone on the back of the head with my dinner plate. It's the guest experience that, or, you know, the, the logistics behind that, that I, that's what I lean into instead of oh it'll make it too cluttered it's your your guests will not be able to move freely in a way that they are used to it will feel crammed to them and it will make them uncomfortable and uncomfortable guests are more likely to potentially leave early instead and you know in case of fire we have to make sure we have clear walkways so that's kind of where I go with that it just inadvertently creates that visual relief to not pack thing after thing after thing into the same space but also to make sure that we're going by ADA requirements or, you know, fire hazard. We can't have this many people in their occupation um, limits, those sorts of things instead.
1: Yeah. Cause I feel like I've I've had more couples who've been worried about the space looking empty than overcrowded and mm, they yeah. tend to veer towards the overcrowded design. And then as the planner having to step them away from that, do you feel like that's a common issue?
0: I feel like we see that, yes, especially now that we're seeing some smaller events happening. Um, in fact, in one of our – I do a recent Q&A I did on Q&A Monday, someone basically said, I feel like my venue's too big. How do I not decorate all the things? And I was like, I can't answer that in 15 seconds. So, hey, maybe I'll direct her to this video or this podcast. <laughs> it's if you decorate outside of I'm, – I'm doing hand motions like you guys can see me. I know you can't see me. But if you decorate outside of like your immediate event space – it will automatically pull the eye away and that item will almost seem to stand out on its own. So if you have a photo booth in one corner, your dessert table in another corner, it's going to make the space feel even bigger because you've shoved them so far away from the guest experience, the current experience that you're trying to create, that when guests go to go to that activity, they go to go to that dessert table or that photo booth, they're now being pulled away from the dance floor. So it feels like it's even less of an intimate party. Not squished, not sardines. We're losing people in chunks off to these sections. So again, we're operating off that logistics mentality. We don't want to send people there. So when people are like, oh, we want to do a lounge outside. I'm like, first of all, people probably aren't going to go to it. Uh, Second of all, if they do, they're leaving your party. Right. They're exiting your party. Right. your party. You are, you are hoping that they do. Now it's not a permanent thing perhaps, but they're also not enjoying the experience with you. So if it's one big cavernous space, don't fill it all up. Let the silence and the emptiness speak for itself because you will not be able to fill it all up. And if you do, and you're like, I'm just randomly going to tuck this over in this corner, it's going to look weird. It's going to look like a toothpick in a, I don't know, held up against a white wall. It's just going to be a very drastic kind of look for the eye. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like the, the spatial balance, I guess would mm-hmm. be very
1: off. I feel like it kind of makes me think of photography, which I don't know anything about, except that <laughs> yeah. you kind of need to get the balance right. Where, you know, the item you're focusing on isn't like 99% of the image, but more just like a third of the image, like you're kind of trying to give it balance and space that what negative space. I think they call it for the photographers listening, I'm sorry. I am embarrassing myself even referencing No, you're this. right. Yeah. But that is like the only thing I know. I will definitely produce a blurry image somehow even with my iPhone, but I do know <laughs> at least just face it, right? So yeah.
0: that's all I got. That's all I got, guys. No, but there, it's something that pleases the eye. Sitting here listening to a podcast is all fine and dandy, right? But sometimes you need an actual person to be asking some of these questions to. And you may be sitting there going, you know what, Jamie? Actually, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. I would love to be able to ask you these questions. Guess what? You need to join the master plan. You've heard me talk about it, but do you know why I love it so much? You get to ask me and my team questions about your wedding personally, personally. From live monthly calls with me to weekly office hours, you have access to a professional help at every single turn. The support you get in this program is amazing. Plus, on top of that, you get over 10 lessons that walk you through planning your wedding with videos and spreadsheets and other detailed resources along the way. Join me and my virtual clients over in the master plan and get all your wedding planning questions answered. Literally thousands of couples have gone on this journey with me and I'd love for you to be next. Check it out at wolferandco.com TMP. That's wolferandco.com slash TMP. When you look at a photo and you're like, wow, I like that. Wow. I'm not quite sure where this this speaks emotion to me or something like that. And that actually is a really good point because a lot of people will do design for the photos. Mm -hmm. They will design something for photos. And if you can keep that in mind, you can, again, focus on key areas, notify your photographer or you as a planner, can encourage your client to f- focus on those areas that will be photographed. Uh, my brother got married recently and my now sister-in-law was very into the, the table settings, was very much into it, but did not have the, the budget to support that. So for me, I was like, why don't we create one epic Instagram moment on your, seating, or on your sweetheart table? So you get that photo, you can get the cool chairs, you can get the nice napkins, you can do all those things for your table, for your experience, but no one else is going to miss it. So to focus, especially for those who are really design inspired or really want to have this photo, that moment, that look, encourage them to focus on those areas specifically so they're not blowing their whole budget, decorating guest tables that guests are never going to notice. Right. I it brings me back to Allison
1: from a long time ago from Bloom Culture. We talked to her mm. early on in the podcast and she said, put your money where people are gonna see it. Yeah. Which I think absolutely is either captured in the photos or it's wherever you and or the person that the two people getting married are sitting. So whether it's yeah. right around the sweetheart table or the head table or the ceremony space, wherever people are looking at you, that area should be jazzed up and everything else can be a little more, you know, open. It's not where they're looking and nor is it where you want them to be looking. So putting some big distraction away from you wouldn't really be ideal design wise. I wouldn't think. Okay. This is good. I feel like I'm learning a lot. Hopefully I'm asking questions (laughs) for the audience. You guys hope I'm doing our right job. My next thought here is about themes, which I feel like this could be controversial because I know some people love like to go real deep with theme for a wedding and other people keep it a little lighter. So how, as a designer, do we find the balance to, to do that in a way that it's, you know, it's going to come across classy. It's going to come across elegant.
0: Well, I think first of all, it depends on how much you are designing and how much you're supporting the design. So like I've had full-blown Mickey Mouse loving clients who, you know, I would, I would likely not (laughs) choose the same design or, you know, th- this was their favorite football team. So that was the color of the flowers and their centerpieces. We're talking orange, mm-hmm. very orange. The theme was carried well, but it just wasn't something that I would have particularly picked myself. Mm-hmm. But I was in, I was not even in a supporting role there. So first of all, it's important to define where you need to understand where your client wants you. Yeah. How much input yeah. do they want? Yeah. That boundary there, because if they have a theme or a color
1: scheme or whatever that you are not into yep. and that's not your place, you, you don't say anything. Yeah. That, oh That no. would be exceptionally rude.
0: Absolutely. And and there have been times when it's I've been working on design that I'm like, I'm not into this at all. I'm into my clients, but I'm yeah. not this isn't quite the vibe or the look or something that I would be like, oh my gosh, like I get excited about this color palette or I get excited about this, but that's not what they hired me for. They hired me to help their vision come to life. So that's when I kind of bring in those other tactics that I know and use, even with designs I love with the designs that I don't, uh, I wouldn't pick as my favorite. So the first step I think is important to define how much they want your involvement, how much they're inviting it, how much they're asking for it. And I also have the clear boundary of I don't design from scratch. I am not a wedding designer. That is a full-time different job. That's great. I can be obsessed with design and not design your wedding from start to finish Mm -hmm. because it's just, then it removes my ability to be the kind of wedding planner that you've hired me to be. So I do think it's important. Like how little do you do? How much do you do? Yeah. And then it's a matter of figuring out the theme from there. So there could be a very blatant, very obvious theme with Minnie and Mickey Mouse everywhere. And I might be like, all right. Godspeed. I'm not touching it. You didn't ask for my input. You're clearly very motivated by this and very excited. I'm just going to make sure that it's it's placed in the right in the right area and it looks good. Personally, for me, I love a subtle theme. I love a subtle theme. There's uh, like the two styled shoots that I, the three styled shoots that I've done. I've done three. I've done three. I don't know. I'm the only person Mm -hmm. that can answer that question, so I don't know. I'm asking you. We did an Alice in Wonderland-styled shoot, but you couldn't quite tell. It was just nods to it. It was like a tea party in an overgrown jungle, basically. Okay. Um, and then we did Tarzan meets Jane, which was like the, – the male model had long hair. Okay. And it was in a loft in LA. But we had like a zebra rug. We had different bamboo elements. So these kinds of things where it's like it doesn't quite say – Hey, remember that Disney movie with the gorillas? That's what's happening here. But that subtle nod, that's my preference. And then, then the last one that I did, I did it based off of a skincare line because I really liked oh, the color palette. The botanical? Yes. Yeah, Splash mm-hmm. botanics, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, I liked the punchy good. colors. It was but beautiful. But you couldn't mm-hmm. – thank you. But you yeah. like you wouldn't be like, oh, that's from skincare. that one skincare line. I, yeah. I don't even know the skincare line
1: because I don't know these sort of cool things. You guys don't come to me for that advice either. I'm sorry. I'm, my uh, skills and talents here are not in these realms. Um, but it did look very beautiful. Was it Thank like you. from the design of their lo-
0: like logo or their... Yeah. Oh, so wow. there was a lot of bright, vibrant colors on the logo. There was actually also um, like monstera leaves. There was a couple different like, very botanical themed... Obviously, it's called Splash Botanic, so... That's where the inspiration came from. And that honestly can be the theme too. I could call it a Splash Botanics inspired shoot, which we did. And that's the name of the video on YouTube. But no one would go, oh, I get that theme immediately. That's just how I kind of prefer to do it. I like subtle nods, those sorts of things personally.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I – didn't really know the details of that and looking at it just looks like a beautiful event. So, I mean, you're doing it in a way that it's not over the top. It's not screaming the theme at you, but yeah. if you know the theme, you're like, Oh, I see this. I see where it built from. And I mean, it's crazy that you can develop a beautiful event uh, like this styled shoot from some face cream or whatever. I mean, like that's crazy. And so for anyone who's struggling with like what style, what theme, you know, if anything, there's like too many options out there where you could get overwhelmed and kind of stuck versus nothing to be inspired from. Cause clearly if you've got the brain for it and
0: the creativity, you you can come up with things cleaning your face. So that's awesome. (laughs) I mean, absolutely. Inspiration can come from anywhere. The master plan, like the design for the master plan was inspired by one of the uh, articles in an old Magnolia uh, Magazine—that's the word. I got the magazine that year, and I was like, or I think it was the December edition when she was wearing that dark dress in front of the fireplace. There was something in the in that. No, that's what we use for a. That's what we use for a bridal expo. I'm, I'm telling you, I like. I find these random things, and I'm like, I want to replicate that. I, that needs to happen. So it was one of the magazines that we used. Master plan. It was another one of the magazines that we used for our most recent bridal show. I think in January of 2020. I typically start with the clients mood board which is literally a pinterest board that so i like to show it to me we'll kind of dive in and i will tell you what i'm seeing so i look for color i look for texture and i look for vibe and or ambiance what feeling are we getting from this photo what what's the feeling that's trying to be evoked from this situation color is the most obvious place to start some people have a very obvious color swatch like uh or a couple palettes that are pinned. And that's immediate when you're like, if you can see a little bit of repetition in those colors, you can clearly go, they've got this dusty blue pinned four times. That's clearly going to be a part of their overall wedding design. I think another thing that's unique that, um, I prefer to do when it comes to colors is it's not always literal. So if you want a warm orangey tone, you can order the natural wood tone folding chairs. Ooh. Okay. Or so instead of being like, the bridesmaids are wearing orange. The orangey tone wood of the chairs is going to better complement the dusty blue, right? Right. Because they're actually on the opposite end of the color spectrum. Or if you want to go for something more muted, clearly we'd go for white chairs. So I try to kind of figure out, is this a, a, is it punchier? Is it softer? What do I really feel the client leaning towards? And then, how can we incorporate some of these colors in a, a non-literal sense? So you don't have a blue plate, an orange napkin, you know. But how do we bring that in in a softer way? Do we incorporate metals instead to really bring in that warmer tone? Um, so that's kind of how I see it. So color is great. Is there a way that we can make it less literal so you don't have to have you know a blue, an orange dress? a a sage colored dress where they might all clash a little bit, but what are ways that you can bring that warmth in instead?
1: Yeah, that totally makes sense. And you guys, I'm going to just say, this is stuff I definitely didn't think about when I was planning my wedding. I'm like, (laughs) whoa, whoa. I look back at some of the um, choices I made and this is now 12 years ago and I'm like, oh boy, that was, but this was before Pinterest. I'm going to say Pinterest is blessing and a curse because it's put so much more pressure on people. Oh, um, yeah. And as planners, it's like a super helpful tool to, to get the inspiration from your client's brain into your brain. Like what you're talking about, that transfer of information is so much easier with Pinterest. But before Pinterest, Ooh, things could be crazy because you didn't know what you're supposed to be doing.
0: <laughs> of course not. All you had was bridal magazines to refer to. And so d- and even then, some people are like, I don't know. There's too many things in there. I'm just going to kind of figure it out as I go along. Yeah. Pinterest is definitely a blessing and a curse. And we do have actually in the master plan, which we highly recommend if you're a planner getting into the master plan. We've now swapped it over to a subscription-based model where it's like 29 bucks a month. I have a whole section dedicated to telling couples how to figure out how to design their wedding off of Pinterest alone. So if you find yourself running into this with clients and design is not your gift, because it's not for everybody. I get obsessed with it. Like I am, I love design, but then there, obviously there's Heather who's like, I can appreciate it, but that doesn't mean I want to invent it from scratch. That could be a good resource for you guys. um, Especially if you just want to log on, get your toes wet and kind of figure that out. Of course, we encourage you to stick around and check out the rest of the modules because those are really powerful. We use them for our mastermind people as well. So those that were mentoring through the beginning stages of their planning process, that's included with it. That's how powerful this this master plan is. So I go into whole detail on how Pinterest can help. And I'm not quite sure if I say in that video, but of course we talk about this on the channel and on our platforms all the time. Pinterest can be such a time and energy suck for sure. So having a couple of these key details in your back pocket of like, I'm going to look for this. I'm going to look for this. I'm going to focus on this thing can really kind of cut away at the extra scrolling time. Hopefully. I mean, it's no guarantee, but maybe it could happen.
1: Yeah. I I think it's a balance there with that as a tool and not letting it overtake you. Yeah. Um, But certainly there's limitless opportunity to find inspiration there. Um, And, Like you said, I'm not super into design, but I would definitely use Pinterest when I'm helping a client and be able to go, okay, these are the things you're looking for. I can help you find more things like that or different ways we can incorporate that without me having to invent it because that wouldn't really come as naturally to me. So, I mean, no matter where you are on the spectrum of being a wedding planner, you can use it as a tool that will help guide you. Uh, The you're really creative and you're coming up with more, like you're more design heavy in your skills or not, um, it can still help you. Now I wanted to see if you had any tips because, you know, we always love to help the couples on a tight budget. And I know a lot of the listeners do too. What sort of tips do you have for making the design more affordable?
0: Well, we kind of touched on this a little bit ago and that was like focus where the couple's going to be. I think the only thing that I would add secondary to that is focus what's going to be within touching distance of your guests. If they can't touch it, who cares? Like really try to adopt that mentality. Of course, some clients are not going to hear that well, so maybe don't use that exact phrasing. But um so if you have some sort of hanging florals, some sort of hanging installation, if they can't touch it, maybe go faux. Now, of course, faux florals can still be extremely expensive, or maybe you go with a gauzy drapey fabric instead because it just needs to provide a visual impact or a visual weight. I also think sometimes swapping out an expensive option for something that has the same size to it, the same visual weight. When I'm talking about visual, visual weight, like you can tell the difference between setting a pumpkin on a counter and setting an apple on the counter. Mm-hmm. They both have a different visual weight. Yes, a different physical one. Uh, they obviously look different, but they take up more space for your eye. So if you're trying to figure out centerpieces – you need to have some sort of visual weight in the center of the table. Most people would opt for florals, but if you're operating off of a smaller budget, perhaps do bud vases with a select few flowers instead and have it be the same width and generally the same height of a normal floral centerpiece. So if you're ever trying to swap something out, try to get something that replicates that same size, that same shape, that same presence that we're used to seeing on these tables. I'm doing so many hand motions. I wish y'all could see me right now. <laughs> like yeah, She She's explaining this very
1: well as a mime. It's excellent miming like, there, Jamie.
0: If you didn't hear my voice, you'd know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, a cheap alternative would be bud vases and then moss on the table because we're now filling out this round space in the middle. We're grounding it. We've added visual weight where it's not this big, lavish centerpiece that's overflowing with all these droopy florals, but droopy in the best way. But instead we had bud vases, but we now have the moss to kind of ground that centerpiece and it feels the same to the eye. So as far as that stuff is concerned, it doesn't have to mean you're going exquisite or lavish with what the guests are experiencing, but think of something. So instead of doing giant jumbo cages of florals for the arch piece, do The gauzy fabric. Instead of doing a big blocky backdrop for a photo booth that you're planning on DIYing yourself, do some sort of sequin fabric. Do something that provides the same visual weight but doesn't require the same physical weight, the same cost. Just get creative with the same shape. Yeah, and
1: I'd say that physical weight idea is important too when it comes to DIYing because you don't want to move a bunch of heavy stuff, guys. No, you don't. The couple doesn't. Whoever they're recruiting to help with the DIY does not. So, um, to avoid the U-Haul full of gear, figure out ways to do the light option, yeah. visual weight, as Jamie explains it, which you guys is not a term I'd ever heard of before Jamie. So it's really helpful to learn from her, <laughs> um, but totally makes sense that, you know, sometimes you can just, I can look at something and go, okay, this isn't right, but I can't really figure out what is wrong with it. And I think it has a lot to do with that weight or the idea of the spacing in comparison with the backdrop or whatnot, you know, like the proportions are off. So those sort of things, I think you can learn a lot by looking at the photos where things look really good. And you're like, okay, I see what they're doing here, how they have this spaced the way that that's composed, I guess, the different aspects of it. So, uh, Jamie, thank you for sharing with us a little bit here today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, now I'm nerding out on design and I'm going to have to start being a student of design myself.
0: If you are struggling with wedding planning and you have questions and you just need someone to listen and to chat with, come join us in the Master Plan community over at masterplanwed.com I would love to have you in there. Thanks so much for listening. If you haven't done so already, subscribe, jump on over to wherever you're listening to this podcast and leave a five-star review so we can let the podcast people know that Jamie knows what she's talking about sometimes. (laughs) And until next time, bye guys.